Appreciate them sharing their story. You know, if you heard, of course, Justin and Melinda, they you know, shared about a time in, in their past. And, and notice how they said when anytime something else comes up, they can always look back to that time in their life where God provided them in a real way. And, and it, it encourages them uh, and erases doubt in their life. And then, of course, Kenya sharing it. And, and I loved her honesty is, is her situation, it's not resolved, right? Situations in life don't always resolve like we want them to. Yet she's still trusting the Lord. And still uh, experiencing and, and receiving all that God uh, wants to provide uh, for her. And so we're continuing in our sermon series called My Story. Because I do believe we all have a story to tell. Uh, we all have different experiences, different people, different ups and downs, successes and failures that we go through that shape us into the person we are right now. And if God has entered that story and, and, and changed the narrative of that story, we, we have a story to tell, to declare to others, because our story then can make an eternal impact in other people's lives. It can change their story. And so we've had some people share their stories, uh, but there's also a way that, that you and I and everyone in here can share their story of what God has done. Maybe when you walked in uh, today, you noticed uh, out here in the lobby, there's a, a My Story board. It's a, a large board with a lot of little white magnetic postcards on there. And they all have one word kind of testimonies or stories of what God has done in, in someone's life. They can be stories of salvation, stories just of provision, stories of, of anything, how God has made a difference or impacted their life. So people wrote that one word and then signed their first name, put it up on that board just to declare to everyone what God has done in their life. So I encourage you when we leave here today, go out there to that board, write that one word, how God, it, it could be a current season, it could be something in your past, whatever the case, but declare your story. Let that begin a process in your life where you're telling people about what God has done for you. And so the first week of this series, we did talk about a story of freedom. We talked about freedom, how God can break us, if you were here, remember, from that cycle of sin and guilt and shame, and we can experience freedom. And Christ and Colin and Angela Bow uh, shared their incredible story with us. Last week, Dr. Brooks preached about a story of restoration. Uh, we saw a skit where people acted out like real-life scenarios of what God can do and how God can restore. And we talked about the, the demon-possessed man, Mark chapter 5, who was kind of an outcast society. And, and Jesus met him and healed him and restored his life and how we can have that same story. Well, this week we're going to be looking at the story of God's provision. The story of God's provision, how God can provide for us. You know, if you're sitting in this room this morning, um, I probably can, can assume that you view life at least partially from a spiritual perspective. And by that, and when it comes to provision, you understand that God created you and that God provides for kind of the necessities of life that you may have. You know, the air you breathe, the food that you eat, the people in your life. Um, scripture tells us that. Matthew five forty five. Jesus said what? God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Paul said this in the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left them without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops in their seasons. God provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. So in a general way, God provides with, for us. But I know that as we come into this room this morning, that, that every face that I see that you see ha has a story 
and has a need in their life. They have a specific way in which they need the Lord to provide for them. It may be great, it may be small, it may seem trivial to them, but it may be definitely important. And so we all have those ways that we come in. And we may, we may expect a certain outcome. God, I, I need this to happen. And maybe it's just not going that way. Or, or God, I think you ought to do this or you ought to do that. And, and it's not going according to your plan. And when things don't work out the way we think they should go, when, when God's not doing what we think he should do, is when we start to doubt his goodness. We start to doubt, does he love us? Does he care for us? We start to doubt his provision in our life. And so today I want us to look at Romans chapter 8. So if you'll turn to Romans chapter 8, we're going to be looking at two verses, 31 and 32. There's a lot going on in Romans 8. We're going to look at two verses. And I want us to see two just truths about God's provision in our life. Two truths about God's provision in our life. And so if if you've turned there to Romans 8, maybe on your phone or maybe uh, in your paper Bible, the old-fashioned Bible, you know, if you're there, uh, you can. I'm not going to read, but, but kind of bounce up, you know, to 17, verse 17 and 18. Paul, in that chapter, starts talking about this idea of suffering and adversity. Suffering and adversity. In other words, there's something in our life that, in which we need God to provide something, strength, something, anything. Uh, we have a lack that God needs to fill the gap. And so we're facing that adversity, we're facing that opposition, that suffering, and so Paul gives us some words of, of hope. He says that, that in, in Christ we have hope. That one way God gets us through these is we have hope. If you scan on down, he says God helps us as well. And specifically, he helps us our weakness through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us that even in this adversity or this opposition, in these areas of life that, that we need him to provide, that God's going to take that season of life, that time, and he's going to work it for good. The great sovereignty and mystery of God that he can take all these seasons and work them for good. And then he says his plan in the midst of those seasons of life and adversity is to make you more like Jesus. To make you more like Jesus. That's his plan in those seasons, in all seasons of life. And then there in verse 30, right before we get to 31, basically Paul says if that's the way God wants it, then that's the way it's going to happen. And so we can even take encouragement from those verses when we're in seasons where we need God to step in and provide for us, that we have help, that we have hope, that God has a plan for us. He has not abandoned us. He wants us to be like Jesus, and God's plan will stand and will be carried out. And so he comes to verse 31, and verse 31, I want to just go ahead and give you the first truth of God's provision is God is for you, that God is for you. What does Paul say, Romans 8? Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to this or these things? What are, what, what are we responding to? Well, the things he just shared in Romans 8. We're going through adversity, but God's going to give us hope. He's going to help us. God has a plan for us. He's not abandoned us. We, he's going to make us more like Jesus. And that's a plan he's going to carry through into completion. So what do we say in response to words? How, man, how incredible is what God has promised to us, what he has promised to provide for us. He says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Now, Paul is not promising here that we're not going to have any, like, we're not going to have any experiences where, where something stands in our opposition. We are, we will face adversity. He says that. So he's not guaranteeing a pain-free or adversity-free life. What, 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 is, what is he guaranteeing here? He's saying that that opposition, that adversity, it won't succeed against you. 
It won't succeed. It won't prevail. It won't accomplish what it set out to crush you, to destroy you, to separate you from God. That if God is for us, then who can be against us? Nothing is going to succeed. If put another way, Paul's implying that God's going to give you what you need. He's going to provide what you need to stand, to make it through that adversity, to make it through that opposition. He said, why? Because God is for us. What does that mean? I think it's crucial to talk about what God being for us means if we're going to talk about his provision. If God's going to give us what we need, what does it mean that God is for us? Because our understanding of what it means God is for us is largely predicated on our expectations of God. So when you're in a season of adversity, for example, if you're thinking about what you're going through now, what are your expectations of God when you hear God is for you? What what do you want him to do for you? You know, I was uh, riding in the car with one of my children yesterday, and, uh, and one of my children were asking me for, for something that, that they've asked for over and over and over, and nothing big, and I'm sure that never happens to the other parents, they just keep asking and asking and asking, and I said, no, it's not going to happen, nope, 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 he said, I, I knew I shouldn't have asked you, I knew I should have asked mom, she's nice, okay, <laughs> which true story, she, she's nicer than I am, okay. I said, well, I think your definition of nice is wrong. Being nice to you is not just giving you everything you want, right? And I said, it's not my role as a parent just to be nice, okay? So, so the definition of nice was different than my definition of nice. And so we think about God's good, maybe a different definition of how we would define good. See, when we want... So good for someone when we're for someone we want their best we're not just worried about them feeling good in, in a temporary moment okay but we have a long-term goal in mind and so when when God is for you God being for you doesn't mean he's going to provide what you need just to be placated or or just to be happy in the moment but he has a long-term goal in mind think about if you've ever had an injury or surgery on a on a knee or a shoulder or something like that and that required physical therapy for a while and when you went to see that that physical therapist uh, uh, their goal isn't just if you showed up and said you know I'm not really feeling it today I just want to sit here their goal is not to go okay you just sit there we'll maybe do it another time no no their goal is they have it in they want you to use that shoulder that knee in the way that you can and so they may stretch a little bit. They, they, they may, may put a little discomfort into your life for your greater good, for your best. See, God being for you, l- listen to this, God being for you and the adversity in your life, they're not at odds. They're actually working together. They're working together because God has a long-term goal for you, and he says it in verse 29, is to make you more like Jesus. So when God is for you, he's going to provide what you need in the face of adversity. He will, but his his long-term goal in that is to make you more like Jesus. Not to make you happy, not to make you comfortable. But if you're more like Jesus, guess what you're going to be more of? You're going to have more joy. You're going to live a a more pure life. You're going to have purpose in life. You're you're going to be more deeply devoted to God. You're going to passionately love and care for other people. That's what God's trying to do in our lives. That's how God is for us. And so he's going to use all his power and all his love to accomplish that in your life. And so what does that mean? If you're sick, God can heal you. He can. We've seen the pages of scripture. You've seen it lives around you. If God wants to heal you, he has the power to do that. And if he does that, 
And he does that so that you bring him glory. You'll grow in your faith. But guess what? If he doesn't heal you, he's going to give you the strength to suffer well. And in that, you'll learn dependence on him. He'll make you more like Jesus. If you have a financial need, God may, may bless your socks off. He may give you more than you ever wanted or needed. And in that, you can be like Christ. You can begin to be generous. But guess what? God may also provide just exactly what you need once again to teach you faith to make you more like Jesus. You may be in a difficult situation in life. You don't know how you're going to get out. God, he may remove that situation. He's done it before. He might do that, but he also may give you the strength and the power to endure that situation as well. See, God being for you doesn't promise a pain-free life, but it does promise that he's going to give you what you need, that you'll stand in the face of opposition that that adversity won't succeed against you. And the end result is you're going to be more like Jesus. You're going to be more like, like the Son of God and all His peace and freedom and purpose and joy. So God, if you, if you have a need today, hear me say this. God is for you. God is for you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to be more like his son. And so that, that's the first truth. The second truth I want us to see today is from verse 32. And go ahead and say that God, uh, through the cross, the cross gives us assurance and access. Paul's going to say the cross of Jesus, what Jesus did for us on the cross, gives us assurance of God's provision and it gives us access to God's provision. So let's talk about assurance. He, he says, you know, he who did not spare his own son, verse 32, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? How will he not give us all things? You know, think about Matthew 6, 33. Students, if you're in student ministry, that's, your, that's like your, your theme verse for student ministry for Calpha. Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these things, what are the, all these things Jesus was talking about? There, it was the daily provisions, necessities in life. What is Paul talking about? That's what he's talking about. Those temporal needs that we all have, whether it's money, whether it's peace, whatever the situation requires in the moment, that's all these things that God's going to graciously give us all these things. But he begins that promise. Listen, he begins that promise by talking about Jesus. He goes straight for our greatest need. He says, he who did not spare his own son. You know, if Paul were writing in common, uh, you know, in 2021 and he were putting this on a web page, he would have put a, a link there that you could have clicked on because he's referring to something specific that, that everyone would have known. He's talking about a time in history where someone did not spare their own son. And he's talking about the story of Abraham and Isaac. He's, he's referring to that moment to build a bridge, to build a link between what God did in that moment. Genesis chapter 22, do you remember what happened? man named Abraham, a man of faith. God comes to Abraham, and what does he say? He says, I want you to take your son, Isaac, and I want you to sacrifice him. It was a test. It was a test of faith, a test of obedience for Abraham. And Abraham said, okay, though I don't really understand it, I'm, I'm going to go through with it. And so he gets his son, and, and they start going to the place where they were supposed to go on the mountain. And they start walking along, and, and Isaac says, hey, I know we're going to make a sacrifice, but where's the lamb we're supposed to bring with us? And Abraham, even at that moment, says, the Lord will provide. 
They keep walking. They get to the place where they're to make the sacrifice. They build the altar. Uh, Isaac is laid on the altar and the sacrifice is about to happen in that moment. God calls out to Abraham, says, don't lay a hand on your son. You've been faithful. You've been committed to me. You've, You've been obedient. And he looked to the side and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And so instead of the son, he took the, the lamb and he laid it on the altar and made that sacrifice. And it says in Genesis 22 that because all that happened, Abraham named that place where they were, uh, that, that they were on the mountain. He called it Jehovah Jireh. Okay. Maybe you've heard that if you've been around church. Jehovah Jireh, that literally means he named it the Lord will provide. Because he provided a substitute for his own son in that moment. And so we, we hear that name and we understand that name of God. We trust in uh, Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. But that name of God refers to a place in a moment. A place and moment in time where God did something huge for Abraham. And here's what Paul is saying. Bring it back to Romans 8. Here's what Paul is saying. That God, he didn't spare his own son. That he is Jehovah Jireh to you. And Jehovah Jireh, again, is a name that refers to a moment. And the moment Paul is referring to is not on Mount Moriah in Genesis 22, but he's talking about Mount Calvary, where God gave his only son for us, that he laid him on the altar of our sin, and that he sacrificed his own son for us. He gave him, what did Paul say? He gave him up. He sacrificed him for us, for our benefit. For us, for our forgiveness. And he's saying, if, catch, catch his, his logic, his reasoning, okay? It, it's, a, it's a logic of greater to lesser. He's saying, if God was willing to do that, if God was willing to, to give his greatest gift to meet your greatest need, if he was able and he did that, then don't you think he's able to meet all your, in quotation, lesser needs? Now, they're not lesser in the moment. I understand that. But that's what Paul is saying, is if God met your greatest need by giving his best gift, then he's able to meet everything that we have. Or like I said, the point, we can have assurance because of the cross that God can meet our needs. He can give us all things. So we have assurance, but then we also have access. We have access. And that's, he says there in in verse 32, this is what I kind of stuck on. I'll just end with it today. Is he said, how will he not also along with him? Your version may say just with him or together with him. In other words, as he met our greatest need of forgiveness through Christ, he met that greatest need that, that along with Christ, when you have Christ, then he gives you access to all the storehouse of his provisions. Listen, whatever your need is today, And I don't know what it is. And I don't know God's plan for your life in this moment. But you have access to everything. The cross has given you assurance of that. It's also given you access to anything. That there's nothing too big in your life. There's nothing that God can't do. There's nothing that that, that God says, no, that's only for a certain level of of my father. There's there's only for for this kind of, of person. The cross, because Jesus did it for you, you have access and so today, I just want to close it and ask you that. Is, as you came to this room, what, what, what needs do you have in your life? You know, where do you need God to step up and provide in a big way? 
And I know some of us in this room immediately, we know exactly what that is. I mean, we've thought about it over and over and over today. We woke up, we went to sleep with that on our heart and our mind, and we need God to provide. And I want us to hear the truth of what Paul is saying to us, that God is for you. Yes, that doesn't promise that you'll not have adversity, but it promises that he's with you. He's going to give you what you need to to make it through, that that opposition, that adversity won't succeed against you. That you have assurance and you have access because of the cross. It's nothing that you have done or can do. It's because of what Jesus did for you, that he's going to graciously give us what we need to become more like Jesus. And so today we're going to end with a song and just a time of, of response and prayer. And so in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to stand in just a moment, but we're going to have some ministers down front. Maybe you do have a need and, and maybe a step of obedience that God is calling you to take a step out and ask for prayer. You know, maybe that's just a stirring in your heart. You know, that's just something you need to do. You need to make that need known and you want someone to pray for you. We'll be here and we'll love to pray for you. If you just want to come, the, the steps here at the front are open. You come just to, to take that step of faith to God and trust him with your need. Maybe you've never had your greatest need met, your, your need for forgiveness. And you know about God and you know about Jesus, but you've never, you've never made that commitment. You've never humbly repented of your sins. We want to help you do that. You can come forward this morning. So however the, the Lord is speaking to you, would you respond? So now I'm going to ask you to stand. Jeremy's going to lead us in the song, be ministers down at the front. You respond as God is leading you.